This week on Blue 58, the Packers are already down a draft pick. Ty Montgomery looks primed to contribute at running back, and we've got t-shirts for you to vote on. On top of that, training camp is actually underway, so who's doing well? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, joined today by co-host Gary Zillaby. Gary, how are we doing? It's a great day to be great, John. Great day indeed. Let's dive right in with some headlines, starting with that injured draft pick that we mentioned at the top of the show. Montrevious Adams out multiple weeks with a stress fracture in his foot that has required some surgery. He has now had the surgery after being injured late last week. He missed the first padded practice of training camp on Saturday. Uh, Potentially could be up to six weeks before he is back with the Packers. Gary, are you concerned as a result about this defensive line group? They've already got Latroy Guyon out the first few weeks of the season. I'm not as concerned as as perhaps everyone is is claiming to be, John. I I, I believe between Ricky Jean Francois and an increased role for Mr. Dean Lowry, depth on the defensive line is going to to be able to weather the storm. I know one guy that I'm I'm high on, and and, and you not as much is is Christian Ringo. Um, I really really like what what he was able to do late down uh, late last year, and you know it's going to be a bummer that Montrevious Adams is is going to be essentially you know working from behind um, this, this season. But uh, I think the Packers' defensive line can overcome it. The the only thing to me that's concerning about this is how the Packers kind of structure their roster. Right now, they still have perhaps their top five guys right now, maybe their top four for sure. Uh, Mike Daniels, Kenny Clark, and Dean Lowry, uh, their top three. Uh, Ricky Jean-Francois, probably number four. And then, well, so so they'd have their top four for sure. Beyond that, you've got Latroy Guyon and Montrevious Adams. Adams wasn't going to be any higher than fifth to start the season with Guyon out. Now it gets a little bit tricky. Who do you keep on the active roster? Maybe Adams starts the season on the pup list after the uh, the final, the, the only roster cut down there. Um, so so where, where else do you go with that roster spot? Do you keep a fifth guy around for a while? A guy like Christian Ringo, somebody else, maybe Brian Price? Do you just uh, try to roll with four linemen for a while and, and see where that gets you? It puts the Packers in a bit of an awkward situation, but uh, but like you, I don't think this is a, a long-term sort of issue uh, for the Packers on defense. Moving right along to our next headline, we want to talk about our newest specialty or advanced stat here at thepowersweep.com. We're calling it run percentage. We think gauging running back performance by just using their yards per carry is is a little bit misleading. It's it's really hard to tell how a guy is really doing if you just look at his average because average can be skewed so easily just looking at uh, at a guy's yards per carry because it can be really taken out of whack by just one really long run. We we use one example in our intro piece for this this stat. Ty Montgomery averaged 5.9 yards per carry last year on 77 attempts. Eddie Lacy, not so good, just 5.1 on 71 attempts. But Ty Montgomery had one 61-yard run, and if you take that out of the equation, he averaged just 5.2 yards per carry, basically the same as Eddie Lacy. Now, where that gets tricky, though, is or where that gets though, is when you, when you introduce what we're doing here, looking at how guys do um, kind of by groups of yards. So how long does a guy 
or how often does a guy gain a particular amount of yards? We've broken this down in five different categories. Zero yards or less, one to four yards, five to nine yards, 10 to 19 yards, and 20 or more yards. What's interesting to me about Eddie Lacy as composed or as compared to um, Ty Montgomery is he loses yards quite a bit more often. On 18.3% of Eddie Lacy's carries, he gained either zero yards or lost yards. Montgomery does the same thing on just over 14% of his carries, about a 4% difference. Now, in our numbers, that's only that's only two carries, but I think it is interesting that, that Montgomery is less likely to be thrown for a loss than a guy like Eddie Lacy, and you wouldn't think of that if you just look at the, the kind of backs that they are. Gary, do you think this is the kind of stat that increases your understanding of, of what's going on on the football field? I do, John, and it's because you're one of the smartest football minds alive. Oh, that that's so nice to hear you say. But seriously, going beyond the box score is really, really important because if you just look at those raw numbers, you really don't don't understand what's going on here. Uh, Gary, I was really surprised to see how effective a runner Aaron Rodgers is. Again, if you just look at the box score, you see his total rushing attempts uh, at 67 for last year, but 16 of those runs were kneel downs. He wasn't trying to get any yards at all, and he just he loses, um, or he 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 loses yards. He loses yards per carry average because of those those kneel downs. But if you look at how often he actually runs, he might have been the the most effective runner on the Packers all of last season. Yeah, that's a good so point you, about Rodgers. I, I think if you think about his his uh, mobility in the pocket and when he does tuck it and run. How often is he not getting a first down when he does that? Very, very often, in fact, he's getting a first down. He had, out of his 51 runs last year, 16 went for at least 10 yards. So, I mean, if assuming the Packers are in a 10 yards to go situation, he's picking up a first down at least on those 16 carries. And I'm, I'd be willing to bet quite a few others as well. So watch for more about that stat as we go throughout the season. Finally, Gary, this is one that... This week, we've got a not really a t-shirt contest, but a poll going on uh, for some t-shirts on our blog. Uh, we have one shirt that's already available on Spreadshirt.com, but we'd like to offer something more. And this is going to be a limited run t-shirt just available for a couple weeks. Uh, Gary has three designs up on the blog right now, and uh, I know what my favorite is, but Gary, I'm wondering which of the three is, is your, your favorite. Which one's jumping out to you? You know, John, it's it's like picking children, and uh, as an only child, uh, I was always my parents' favorite child, so it's hard to pick my favorite design out of the three. Uh, I do like the one with the state of Wisconsin in it, uh, because who doesn't love representing uh, the lovely homeland of Wisconsin? Yeah, I, I like that one too, but my favorite one is uh, design number one. You call it the historic design. It looks to me a lot like that old kind of guy giving a stiff arm over the state of Wisconsin with a football logo for the Packers. I don't really know how you would describe it. I was that guy always reminded me of Paul Horning for some reason. I don't know exactly why. But that that sort of old school logo is what this one reminds me of, but kind of updated and uh with a, a power sweep spin on it. I like that one a lot. Uh, Gary, how long can people vote for this stuff? Do you know off the top of your head? You can vote for it until we close the voting and we're going to close the voting by the end of next week, we're going to close it the day before the Packers' first 
preseason game. So that would be Wednesday, August 9th is, or excuse me, that would be the, is that the 9th? Yep, is it, it is the 9th. Yeah, the 9th. Yep. Uh, cool. So then we'll start selling him on Thursday the 10th. So when you're watching the Packers take on the Eagles, you can pick yourself up a shirt and have it before the start of the regular season. Yeah, and I just want to take a, another opportunity to really to really pitch these t-shirts. Um, we've said a number of times that we love doing the Power Sweep for free, uh, for free to the listener, to the reader, to everybody who's involved with consuming the things that we do here on the podcast and on the website, but it's not free for us to do it. Um, we've got to pay stuff behind the scenes like ho- hosting a website, hosting this podcast, um, paying for a domain name, all of those things behind the scenes, advertising now and then. Uh, those things don't come free, unfortunately. So if you would like us to be able to keep doing the things that we're doing, here's one way for you to support us. First, it starts with voting. you got to vote uh, on a design that you like so we can know which one that we want to produce. And then when it comes time, uh, purchase one, buy one that you like. Uh, just It would be a big help to us if you could support the Power Sweep in that way. And uh, this is one way that you can do it and look great at the same time. We love all these designs, and, and I think they're pretty great. So uh, get your vote in and uh, help us out at, uh, at the Power Sweep end here at Blue 58. Let's dive into our main topic. Blue 58! Gary, training camp has been underway for almost a week already. Players reported a week ago on Wednesday we're still a week away from the preseason, the first game, the first preseason game of the year. But on the other hand, we're only a week away from the first preseason game of the year. So things are moving pretty fast, and some players are already jumping out to uh, to start the year, to start this this very young season. So we're going to talk a little bit about the guys that we think are jumping out so far, and uh, and maybe how they can fit in with the the Packers going forward. And I'm going to start with the guy who I think has grabbed the majority of the headlines so far: safety Josh Jones. We predicted back in May that it seemed like he was in line for a pretty big, pretty big role this season or, or a lot of success just because of the role that he's been playing. And he's really been everything that we predicted he would be. He's playing a little bit of late safety, a little bit of linebacker, really just being that athletic, versatile, hybrid type player. But my question, Gary, is, is this too much too soon? Are expectations getting out of line for Josh Jones? John, it seems to me that every year there is a guy who everybody freaks out about having a you know an all-star season the one that i i remember is Devonte adams uh everybody saying man you know he's i think mccarthy said he hadn't you know hadn't seen anybody come to camp like Devonte adams had come to camp um josh jones seems to be uh the real deal just reading tweets and kind of reading between the lines and from what the beat writers are talking about who are at the practices it is too much too soon we haven't played a game Got to see what he looks like when 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 the game starts. Uh, when we did research about Jones for that piece, we you referenced John. Uh, his coaches at NC State said that you know, he was a heck of a of a of a bowling ball and a just a really athletic player. But when when you got behind him, that was when he struggled. So uh, putting him at linebacker is is interesting. You know, the game kind of stays in front of him, um, not as much as his safety, but uh, in terms of playing the run, uh, he's he's in a little bit better position there. I, I I'm interested, to, I'm really interested to see what he looks like in these first few preseason games. Assuming he's going to get a lot of playing time next to guys like Marwin Evans and Kentrell Bryce, who both themselves had very strong rookie campaigns this last. Well, it's season. interesting to me that you you bring up that 
that looking good in practice sort of aspect. Because a year ago at this time, there was another rookie player who was expected to contribute a lot in the coverage game, getting a lot of reps with the first team defense. And that was Blake Martinez. He was one of the starting linebackers from almost day one in Packers training camp. And it was always the the, the same sort of thing. It wasn't the athletic buzz that the, that's been around Josh Jones, but everybody's like, oh, he's so smart. He knows everything that's going on with, with the defense already, super on top of things. And, and that was all true. But when the chips were down in the season, and especially down the stretch last season, it wasn't Blake Martinez getting those key snaps for the Packers. It was Joe Thomas and Jake Ryan and even Morgan Burnett getting snaps at linebacker ahead of him. Maybe temper those expectations just a little bit. Josh Jones doesn't have to win the Super Bowl for the Packers right now, and in fact, he really can't. Let's stay let's stay on the defensive side of the ball and, and talk a little bit more about another guy who could be lining up at inside linebacker this year, Jordan Tripp. Uh, some Packers fans may have forgotten that he was actually on the roster last year for the Packers. He was. He played quite a few games, actually, after being picked up on waivers uh, from the Seattle Seahawks. Packers do seem pretty set at inside linebacker, but he is seeming like one of those core special team sort of guys. My question about Tripp is if if he stays, if he sticks with the Packers, does another inside linebacker go, or do you think they make that cut at a different position? Boy, it's hard to say. If I, if I have to pick, uh, and I'm going to pick because this is a podcast and you asked me a question, I'm going to say another inside linebacker goes. Um, I just don't know where the where the room is on the roster. You're you're not going to keep a ton of depth at uh, defensive line, outside linebacker. Man, that's a really thin list. Uh, so so if guys step up there, then you got to cut an inside linebacker. I kind of group those linebacker and defensive linemen together in the front seven, and then view the secondary as a separate a separate entity. Uh, but but uh, the only roster construction I've done has been in a nice game of Madden. I think you raise a good thing, though, or a good question, though, because if you keep an, an inside linebacker, say if they, if they keep four, I think right now conventional wisdom would be that they would keep three, probably Joe Thomas, Jake Ryan, and Blake Martinez. If you keep a fourth one, you really do have to make a cut somewhere else on the roster. So what does that mean? Does that mean you, you keep one fewer outside linebacker, fewer safeties? I think if you're just looking for a guy who can contribute on special teams, it's one thing to keep in four inside linebackers, but really with those special teams guys, they would be able to contribute at least a little bit at some other position if you need them to. And it's hard to figure the Packers needing a fourth string inside linebacker unless things go really, really wrong at some point during the season. Because even if they get down to, to three guys or even two, you would think they would just play Morgan Burnett or Josh Jones there more rather than going with another of the traditional inside linebacker types. That's where it gets confusing for me with, with a guy like Jordan Tripp, just because of the redundancy. And I think, to a lesser degree, it's the same question around Jeff Janis. I mean, do yeah. they keep seven wide receivers if if the seventh guy is only a special team player and can't play receiver at all? Perhaps Jordan Tripp's route to the roster is more so against Jeff Janis than it is against Joe Thomas, Blake Martinez, and Joe, and uh, Jake Ryan. I think that's a fair point, so we'll we'll wrap up that topic right there. Let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball for a couple players here, and then we'll have a couple sort of wild cards. Um, the Packers don't have a lot of real depth at center this year. They don't have a true center backing up Corey Lindsley at all. It's all it's all guys who really fill in at other positions as well. 
But the top backup at center right now seems to be Don Barkley. That's not entirely unexpected. He's done a little bit of work at center in the past, but it's not completely not scary either. Gary, how frightened would you be to go into a game with Don Barkley starting at center? (laughs) Carnal body Don Barkley? Yeah, the carnal body. I would be moderately frightened, but not as frightened as I would be when if, if he were to, say, play left tackle in that game. Uh, of all of the positions he could start at, center seems to be one of the least threatening. But again, as we say on and on and on on, on, on Blue 58, John, it's really hard to know uh, what you're looking at with the offensive line unless you've played or coached offensive line at some level of football. So um, I'm just going off of what I know of watching Don Barclay. I'd be okay with it. It's better than other spots. The only time I think we've seen him play center, actually in games, is a little bit last preseason. And if I recall correctly, they just sort of threw him in there to see what would happen. It was late in a preseason game. And I think all he did was promptly roll a ball back to the quarterback yes. in a shotgun snap. Yes. It was it, it was not pretty, but it wasn't entirely his fault either. And I think with the way that he's performed at other inside spots on the line, he would he'd probably be not much of a liability in terms of blocking. The snaps would be the real question, though. And if they could, if, if they had to put him in an emergency, I'd be very, very scared. But if they got him some time where he could work up to it and really practice those snaps for a little bit, I think it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I would have more confidence in him than probably anybody else on the roster right now. So let's let's put this one as a as a we'll monitor it for a while and, and see what <laughs> guys, happens. Guys, guys, don't worry. We got the backup centers. We're gonna take care yeah. of that for you. You don't have to worry about it. Uh, you can now rest comfortably. John and Gary are all over the backup centers. We've got this this race on lock. The polling. We're going to be the 538 of a backup center polling for this this preseason. We're going to stick with offense and and go with another backup at a position you might not think about a whole lot. Joe Carriage. He's been one of the offensive stars of the of training camp so far. Coaches have gone out of their way to mention his performance in training camp so far. I don't know if he'll overtake Aaron Ripkowski, but do you think keeping five backs is a possibility? And that would assume that you have three running backs, Aaron Ripkowski and Joe Carriage. Well, Joe Carriage was on the roster for a long time last year. Again, this is another Joe, this is another Jordan Tripp situation. When those two, uh, when those two guys were, were brought back, uh, you know, in the off season, I know uh, a lot of fans might've been, including myself, kind of like, well, you know, give him a training camp and cut him loose. But uh, it's surprising to see it's surprising to see Carriage doing this well. I don't think keeping five backs is out of the question. Uh, it depends on Devontae Mays and Aaron Jones and how they look, uh, and I guess the, the undrafted running backs as well. Uh, but I think it's certainly a possibility. It's a good reminder to me, if anything else, that there are no charity cases in in training camp. Nobody's just brought back because the coaches have a soft spot for him, or, or you know, ah, no, ah, let's just let him run around out there. Let's see see what he does. You know, let he's he's having fun out there. Now I sound like I'm talking about Brett Favre, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> um, it, these guys are here because they can play, and Joe Carriage is proving that he can play, and this is valuable for him if for nobody else because he's putting stuff on tape and and. Uh, you know, letting people see what, what he can do. So that's that, it's a good opportunity for him to maybe continue his career somewhere else, even if the Packers don't end up keeping five backs on the roster 
I don't think they're going to, but can never rule it out. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to our two wild cards here, one offense, one defense. We've talked quite a bit about Richard Rodgers on the blog. I don't know what we've done as, uh, on the podcast. I don't recall a lot of time spent talking about Richard Rodgers. Both of us in our in our predictions thought he would be on the final 53-man roster, although I think we're both kind of believing he's we're, the Packers are going to go a little bit light at tight end this year. But we, when we ran a piece last week about guys being safe on the roster, as in basically having their jobs locked down already, we did get some pushback when we talked about Richard Rodgers being safe. What do you think the odds are on Rodgers being on the roster this year? 80-20, 60-40, something like that? Uh, probably better than 80-20. I think when Martellus Bennett went down with an injury early in camp for a few minutes and everybody on Twitter freaked out and started signing Gary Barnage, you know, boy, Richard Rogers looks like a really comfort, comforting option. Uh, he He's going to be on this roster. He's going to be here. He's going to be the third tight end. Uh, I, I just don't think there's, there's much behind him in terms of the undrafted guys that are in camp this year. Uh, Rogers is on this team. I think so, too. I think there's better than a a 90% chance that he's on the roster. He's affordable. Uh, They wouldn't save a lot of money by cutting him or save a lot of money towards a future extension for someone else by cutting him. Um, The question I have about Rodgers is what does he bring you on special teams? Because if you look at guys that the Packers have kept as sort of third tight ends, fourth tight ends over the past few years, you think about Tom Crabtree, Ryan Taylor, Spencer Havener, guys like that. They all contribute on special teams for all of his positive attributes. And I think there are more than people give him credit for Richard Rogers has never been very fast or, or physical. And I think those are two big attributes that you would look for from a guy who plays on special teams. Now, maybe they like him in situations like, like uh, blocking for a punt or on a field goal. Maybe that that's his, his role on the team, but uh, I think he's as much of a, a dependable you know what you have in him receiving option as much as anything else. So like you, I think he's on the roster. Now we're going to finish with my biggest surprise of training camp so far. And I think this this is only good news for the Packers and especially for this individual, especially since I recently predicted that there was a chance he was going to get cut. But don't look now. Quentin Rollins is one of the starting cornerbacks for the Packers, at least in the past couple of days of, of training camp. He's been one of their two starting outside corners in the base defense, and then their main guy in the slot as they go into their sub packages. I know I'm just as weird about, weirded out by it as you are. It's pretty pretty crazy. Uh, Gary, do you think this means that we should be concerned about Demarius Randall and Ladarius Gunter, or maybe we should have been concerned about them already? I don't think so, John. It's a long training camp, and I think Rollins, Randall, Gunter, they're all going to get a lot of cracks uh, at, at starting outside corner, playing as the main slot corner. I think they're all going to get a look because I think after last season, they're all on pretty equal footing. Randall, Rollins, probably a, a step above, if anything, just because of their draft status. But they're all on pretty equal footing, and I, I'm sure we'll see them rotate around. It's interesting to me that Rollins gets the first crack, though, because when you look at the size-speed combos of a lot of the, the corners on the Packers roster, He's behind the eight ball in a lot of those categories. He's not particularly quick. He didn't test very well in the agility drills. He's not very fast. He's, I think, in fact, the slowest cornerback the Packers have ever drafted in the Ted Thompson era, so 13 years now. He he doesn't have great 
testable attributes, the measurables, the the things that you always look for um, in combine. So he doesn't turn a lot of heads there, but he's been a reliable man-to-man coverage guy in the past, last year being an exception. But I think they like some of what he brings to the table in that respect. So um, is there is there a player that you're concerned about uh, on the Packers so far? I know I'm just kind of throwing that one you at, at you out of left field, but if if not Gunter or, or Randall, is there somebody you're concerned about? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, uh, man, defensively, it's got to be a guy like Nick Perry, <laughs> just just with the big contract, uh, without the safety blanket of, of Julius Peppers and Dayton Jones to a lesser extent. Um, in, in the secondary, I'm probably a little concerned about Randall, um, and and then offensively, I spend most of my time thinking about Max McCaffrey. <laughs> I, that's a surprisingly good answer, Gary, for something I just threw at you. I know you like to, to prep for questions like that a little bit more ahead of time. But you, you raised something interesting about Nick Perry, I think. No safety blanket for him this year. There's no there's less rotational opportunities. There's no first unit, second unit uh, of pass rushers. So last year, the Packers could go Clay Matthews and Nick Perry one and two, and then Dayton Jones and Julius Peppers, three and four, and just kind of flip-flop them all the time. There is none of that this year. There's nobody behind Nick Perry who's remotely close to him. So he he might have to carry a much bigger load this year. That's a, that's a really good point. I, I like where you're thinking there. Gary, while I've got you here, one of the big storylines coming out of training camp and Packers Twitter so far, <laughs> something that drives me crazy, Ty Montgomery is not an undersized running back. Uh, it seems like that's everyone's favorite thing to harp on. Ty weighed in this week at 224 pounds, which means he's heavier than Amon Green, Ryan Grant, Cedric Benson, and James Stark. Basically all of their big starting running backs over the past decade or so. In fact, according to Pro Football Reference, since 2000, only four running backs with a listed weight higher than Ty Montgomery's 224 pounds have actually started a game with the Packers. See if you remember some some of these luminaries. Eddie Lacy and Dorsey Levins, you may have guessed for sure. But beyond that, Deshaun Wynn started a couple games for the Packers. And and here's one from the 2006 season. Brandon Myrie. I I got nothing. I, I did not even remember that he played for the Packers, but he started a game. And at 5'11", 237 pounds, he's one of the biggest running backs to start a game for the Packers. Uh, since the turn of the century, there's something that you probably didn't think you were going to hear about coming into this episode of Blue 58. We go above and beyond for you. Yeah, no Gary, kidding. I think, I, I think that's about a show for this week. I think that'll do it. What do you say we tell the good people where they can find us? I think that's a great strategy. Why don't you do it for us? All right. Find us on the internet. And uh, On the internet. If, if you want to find us in a specific part of the internet, you could try Twitter, Facebook. Maybe Instagram. Not really on Instagram. Um, we are thepowersweep.com. You can search uh, Blue58 in your podcast app. Go ahead and give us a subscribe. Leave us a review. Uh, write us a handwritten letter. Just put the power sweep on it and throw it in the mailbox. It'll get to us. Uh, we love your comments. We love interacting with you guys. It's, it's the reason we do this, as John said earlier. So after you're done voting for the T-shirts, go ahead and let us know what your favorite one is. Uh, drop us a note about how we're doing on the podcast and um, please remember to be my best friend 
Yes, be Gary's best friend. We all need all the friends we need and her that we can get. And Gary is a good friend, a friend of the program. <laughs> For Gary Zillavi, I'm John Mearding. We will see you next week back here on Blue 58.